Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is April 26, 2021. That is right. We are in the last week of April. I cannot believe how fast that this year has gone by. Q1 is done. We're in Q2. I can already tell you we are going to be talking Q4 before we know it. Today, we have three special guests on the line today. We have our fancy sponsor, Ag Tools, Yolanda Ramirez, who is the Vice President of Retail Sales, come from a long-standing history within produce and supply chain, people. That's right, over 20 years of experience coming from the corporate buying structure and Director of Sales and Marketing. You are going to love that Yolanda and I talk about corporate buying and buying structures while using data and insights, everyone. Next, we have our featured guest, Citrus America, right down the street from me in Oviedo, Florida. We have Brian Frampson, who is the president of Citrus America. And you know what? This guy has been leveraging his years of international experience in strategy, finance, controlling, M&A, and performance improvement plans to help and develop healthy profits with Citrus Juicy, as well as Jay Gardner, who is the Vice President of National Sales for Citrus America. Now, Jay has over 20 years of experience in the food service and grower network of the produce industry, and we met through LinkedIn and a Zoom call. So I am happily able to welcome all of these guests on the Produce Industry Podcast today. Well, everyone, I am just so excited to be here every week, week in, week out, talking about the produce and supply chain industry. This week, we've got something cool. Now, if you were at Southern Exposure's Southeast Produce Council's trade show in April, there was a lot of cool booths. Well, one of the booths that I stopped by was Fresh Direction or Love Fruit. That's right. Those big green avocados from the Dominican Republic. Now, I was able to get this little... I would say Yoda pin, um, but it is a Grogu pin that I got from the show. Now, these pins are a collective set, okay? They are going to be released. They are going to have a giveaway on Love Fruit DR's Instagram. So at L-U-V-F-R-U-I-T-D-R. May 11th, they will be giving some of these pin sets away. You need to get on their Instagram, follow the rules to like, share, and comment to be entered into the contest and have a chance of winning these awesome pins. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get Yolanda Ramirez from Ag Tools on the line today. Hey, Yolanda, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Patrick. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Listen, it's always great to have Ag Tools on the line as a fancy sponsor and the original sponsor of the podcast. I appreciate and thank you for coming on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having us. We are really excited and honored to be here and uh, super excited to see that you're putting us and the entire produce industry out there, which is hey, great. Dynamite content with dynamite people is what I say. The entire produce industry is dynamite, everyone. So absolutely. We, so Ag Tools, we thought it was a great, you know, pre-session to talk about the buyer, the buying structure, because as trade shows are reopening and we're getting together again, some of these corporate 
buyers are not showing up to the shows just because of travel restrictions and what they're, uh, you know, thinking about for their employee safety. So we thought it was a good idea. We're doing a three-part series with Ag Tools. It's going to be about buying. That's right purchasing everybody. And we're going to talk about corporate buying. We're going to talk about supplemental supply for growers, packers, shippers, anybody within the supply chain and external factors that happen within the buying structure. So you're going to have to listen for the next couple of months because we will be releasing one a month for the next three months starting today. And today we are going to talk about corporate buying everyone. Now, Yolanda has a huge background in the produce industry over 20 years. And if you listen to the intro, we talked about that intro. And she's also a Fresno State Bulldog, just like I was. So Yolanda, go go dogs, obviously. Go dogs, yes. <laughs> no one gets that because they're like, who? Where are you guys from? We're like Fresno. We're like, we know we play certain, you know, uh, college football teams and we're, we're out there. We get known every once in a while. We're a little team, but we're there. So we won a few games every now and then, right? <laughs> we've had a few good people. We've had, a you know, Derek Carr that, you know, went from our Fresno state. We had a Ryan Matthews. We've had a few good people that have been in Fresno state. So um, yeah, shout out to Fresno state. Shout out Yolanda. I mean, that's awesome. I love seeing another Fresno state alumni in the produce industry. Uh, it just brings us you know, back full circle of where we started our lives and where we are in our career. So it's really cool. Absolutely. You know, we were in the heart of the San Joaquin Valley, which is, you know, the largest producing valley of produce. And so it's fitting. It's fitting that we are in what we do and, and that we support our local communities. Yeah, for sure. And everybody, just so you know, uh, Yolanda is not in the area anymore. She's down south in Southern California. I used to live in Exeter. She was up there right in Reedley. We had this fun laugh off the mic about Reedley Community College, some memories about that and what it used to be. So it's really cool. Like again, full circle. Didn't know Yolanda back then. Got connected through Ag Tools, through the podcast, through our networking events. And that's very valuable. So let's get into this quick session about corporate buying. You've worked for some of the largest companies in the world for corporate purchasing. And now you're working for Ag Tools that is specializing in data and insights we got to talk about how can corporate buying structures integrate data and insights to make better education, educated decisions when purchasing produce and stocking the shelves. Absolutely, Patrick. So um, my background has always been in ag. And yes, I, I worked in ag from growing, packing, whatever we, I did. Um, and finally ended up as a corporate buyer of one of the major categories in produce. And I can tell you that data is something that obviously was driving how we made decisions and also, you know, our PL. So when we would look at what to purchase, when to purchase, how to purchase, there was a lot of information that needs to be gathered and <clears throat> you rely heavily on your suppliers, but you get maybe four, five, six different versions of what may actually be the truth because every supplier is in their own, in their own little world, if you will. And so um, by having data that is that is objective, it really helps to make those buying decisions easier and understanding transitions, understanding growing regions, um, knowing when and where and how to buy is key to delivering your numbers as a buyer. There's a lot of buyers that probably do not use those data and analytics um, as I've sold citrus for many years, grapes, pineapples, um, they're still using these old Excel spreadsheets and they're going off previous, you know, consumption and data that they had, right? But are they using 
the insights of the industry, the collective, I mean, you know, Ag, Ag Tools pulls from over 50 different sources to get some of these analytics and data. Um, is it needed? Can we tell corporate purchasing saying, listen, this is needed for the position. You got to understand what is happening. Or are we still going to leave it up to the person to make the decision if, if data and insights are good for their business? I think in today's world, we, can't, we really can't say, you know, we're going to leave it up to each individual. There are true necessities for this data to make the right decisions. And as you know, I'm sure most people that are listening to our podcast right now in produce understand that, that the corporate world is definitely turning into more contracts and long-term commitments. They can't be just done on the, you know, kind of like on the whim and you're going to figure out today what's going to happen, you know, five months down the road. You have to be looking at data and you're absolutely right. We pull from 50 different data sources. We have our own, um, you know, system and our own platform. And, and by gathering all this data, it just makes it so much easier for the buyers to have all the information at their fingertips. There are 76 different variables that today that are identified that will impact produce. It can be anywhere from weather to, to you know, GDDs to all these different components that impact produce, um, logistics, supply chain, holiday, everything impacts the freshness the food miles, the surety of supply. And if you're a buyer at a major, you know, corporation at a major retailer, how do you understand each and every one of those components to make the absolute best buying decision? As a buyer, your biggest concern is to satisfy that customer, to have the repeat buy, to have the turns. The only way you do that is by quality, freshness and service. And if you don't have product on your shelf, because there was a transition that you were not aware of, or there was a weather impact that you accidentally missed, what is going to be the excuse to your customer? There is none. A lost sale can never be recovered. So from a buying perspective, our key goals as buyers would be to always have supply on the shelf, have the absolute best quality, competition is fierce, and, and coupled with that is giving the customer the service that they, that they deserve. So without the data to make the correct buys, to have the right product, the right size, to have the right packaging even with innovation and all these things that are happening in the industry, it is impossible <clears throat> to service customers the way we should. So by having the data, by being able to look at weather patterns, transitions, by having the news, all the news that are related to produce in one place, you can look at everything at the same time and make those decisions quickly we're bringing to, to buyers the ability to have more of a work-life balance at the same time, Patrick, because we're saving them so much time. Um, I know that you said you did a little bit of buying as well. And so you know what it's like to have to research items and you know, try to gather from all these different you know, agencies or companies that are out there you know, plugging away at one or two or three components. But you know, with Ag Tools, we have all these components that you can look at at the same time and make those decisions quickly. Yeah, you can. I, I mean, I have the, the service as well. And I, I do it for oranges and other commodities. And, and it's so true because it, I have been a buyer at a fortune 200 organization. And I could tell you that, you know, Yolanda, I was, I was made fun of. Okay. Because I would log in to our data and insights tool as the first thing I did every morning. 
I'd log in because it would be updated, you know, over the nighttime, 24 hours. Um, and then the second thing I would do is I would go to the news, right? I would check, you know, your fresh plazas, your produce news, your packers, right? I, so I would check all those, those newspapers or, you know, the, uh, the online subscription versions. Um, you guys bring that into one. You can start doing that in all these locations. Then I'd go to weather in, in Chile and all that, right? It, all these things that you do in your schedule already. I mean, that's what I did. I started incorporating it. And I think that you have to. Um, starting to look at patterns, you know, uh, when you grew, why was week 44, uh, such a spike in inventory versus, you know, week 27, um, why was the price there? You could start, you know, teeing it back to going, wait a minute. That was when the port stripe happened for two weeks during these, you know, period of time, we had this much inventory, you know, we had boom, boom. I mean, you could literally have your P and L story based off from these data and analytics. And that's what I think is so cool about it. Uh, because again, working for a fortune 200 company, they were all about it, but it was trying to get the employees on board, right? Some of them were like, we don't need that. It's all about sales. We got to call our customers. We don't have time for this crap. You know, we got to, we got to get them buying in, you know, more consume, you know, consumption. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But this is just, man, this is just education at your fingertips to know past, present and future, Yolanda. You know, it's so true. And you, you said, and when I said you did a little buying, it was kind of a pun on that. So I thought, I know that you did, um, you know, so, some really good purchasing in the past. But what I will say is that it's so funny because you said that they would say, well, I don't have time for this. I have to call customers. Well, it's precisely because you don't have time that you need to be able to look at this information. It's going, you, you know, I did remember sitting there and making 15 phone calls to 15 different suppliers to tell me what is happening in the industry, right? You as a buyer need to know <laughs> what is the reality that's happening out there. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in some corporate office away from any kind of growing region and you're going to tell me what's happening, but I have to get 15 different versions. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now that's what the newspapers do, Yolanda. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I feel like we're doing now is we're just giving reports like the newspapers are calling around and they're just trying to get every report from every single grower. So they know what's going on so they can report to the industry. And then we have to do that to hundreds of other people that call, Hey, what are you doing? What do you got? What's the market update? You're so right. No. And I mean, I think it's more than just growing conditions, right? With actuals, because we have logistics on there. We have import, export. I mean, it's everything you could possibly. And listen, it's a work in progress because we're still adding even more features to the tool. Um, and so I just think from a, and, and it's funny because this, this baby, this ag tools really was kind of born out of the relationship that was between myself and, you know, Martha. She, she um, was one of our suppliers. And so at that time she was in the produce industry doing what you and I used to do. And, and the information that came back and forth between us was how kind of this baby was born at that you know, long time ago. But then it really was put into, into what we do today um, recently. And, and so it was really about answering the questions that everybody asks, everybody wants to know, but don't really know how to go about getting those answers. Uh, the cool thing is you don't just look at, at today or tomorrow, like I said, I mean, there's, there's, there's 25 years worth of, of history. There some of the, um, some of the widgets have 50 years worth of, of history in there. So planning your buying is huge. If you can look at historically what happened, sure. You always look at your last year's comps, but go way beyond last year. See where this category is really going. Um, you know, blueberries is a great example. We were buying all blueberries from Chile up until Peru was born. And all of a sudden now you have Peru. Well, if there'd been some history digging there, you would have seen that that was a transition that was happening. 
So from a buyer's perspective, you wanna be the first one to a great location with great quality and bring that on board for your customers. And I think that's Patrick, really what we can, what we can help the industry to learn a little bit more, to help the industry to utilize the data that's out there to make these decisions for the customer. 100%. I 100% agree with you. And listen, everyone, you have heard it directly from Yolanda Ramirez, Vice President of Retail Sales at AgTools. And she was a corporate buyer from for one of the largest retailers in the world. So you can take a stab at which one you think that might be or check out her LinkedIn page and you'll get a real clear picture of what it is. Yolanda, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for providing some real cool insights on corporate buying through data and insights. If anybody wants to get a hold of yourself, um, how could they go about doing that or the company? Um, so they can email me at Yolanda at ag.tools. That would be the best way to get a hold of Patrick is to just email us. At- awesome, Yolanda. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and everybody check out our YouTube channel, The Produce Industry Show, as well as our newsletter. If you want to get linked up with that, go on theproduceindustrypodcast.com and subscribe to that. If you subscribe to that, we're going to be posting a video with Yolanda. We're going to see her recognized in a commercial, and it's going to be a funny one. We want to see if you could recognize Yolanda from the past, everyone. So Yolanda, great to have you, and we'll chat soon. Thank you, Patrick. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for having us. It was great to hear from Yolanda Ramirez at Ag Tools. And guess what? It's always great to hear from our sponsors here at the Produce Industry Podcast Ag Tools, Flavor Wave, Terra Exports, United Fresh, John Green Logistics, Indianapolis Fruit Company. And guess what? We have more coming for May 1st, 2021, everybody. So let's take a quick break, hear from one of our sponsors, and get to our featured interview with Citrus America. Welcome to Terra Exports, a fast-paced, entrepreneurial, and innovative, multinational fresh produce company with eight divisions worldwide that handle fruits and vegetables across 65 countries. Did you know that Terra Exports was featured three times in Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies? Terra Exports starts at the ground, literally, with the growth of the product at the farm all the way through distribution channels up into the end user. They take pride in their products, arriving fresh and damage-free, and they're there every step of the way, working alongside suppliers and customers who share in their common goal. Visit Terra Exports at www.terraexports.com, as well as following them on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get on their website, you can also check their availability calendars and all of the produce that they have in store. When you join Terra Exports, you become a member of their global team of thinkers, innovators, dreamers, and doers who are bringing a fresh approach to the produce and supply chain industry. So reach out to Terra Exports today at terraexports.com. It's always great to hear from our sponsors here at the Produce Industry Podcast. Now, let's get to our featured guests today, Brian Frampson and Jay Gardner with Citrus America, bringing fresh juice to the table, healthy, fresh, and natural. Hey, Brian. Hey, Jay. Welcome to the show today. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Patrick. It's a pleasure to be here. Listen, we are live. I'm staring in the eyes of Brian and Jay right now. Now, for the Produce Industry Podcast, this is a little history right now because guess what? It's the first live podcast that I've done. So I always like to talk a little bit about how we met. Now, Brian and I met on a call that was set up by Jay. 
And we also met a couple people on that phone call, but let's go back in time just a little bit, okay? Let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 when LinkedIn profiles were blowing up, social media started getting a little more blown up in our industry. Well, that's where I met Jay Gardner. Um, at the time, he worked for someone else, but we interacted through a way that you probably never would thought. He wanted me to try Florida Citrus. And I'm sitting here going, I'm a California boy. What do I need this Florida Citrus for? Jay, do you remember some of those conversations? I totally remember that, Patrick. That was great. You know, you live here in Florida, you have to eat Florida Citrus, right? That's what you kept telling me. And as I talk about being from California, the grocery stores are loaded with California Citrus, loaded with West Coast product. When you get past, I would say, the Mississippi, you barely see California citrus. You, you see the little one spot on the grocery store shelf. Like it's one navel orange. And then all of a sudden, you got some Juicy Crunch. You got some Florida grapefruit. You've got the Florida juice oranges. You got these honey bells. You got all these different types that you just don't normally see in California. So it came to a point now where I was like, all right. This guy's got me. I got to start trying some Florida citrus. And I hooked up with a couple buddies of yours, uh, especially, you know, right there in Winter Haven, Noble Citrus, which I got to try this fantastic Juicy Crunch. And we're going to talk about everybody because we did something here today that was just phenomenal, I think. We get to try some machines that actually started juicing this. And that's where, Brian, we got we to gotta hear this story because as we were talking off the mic, you know, I'm as the American-based mindset, I'm thinking, oh, you know, Brian's this innovator here in America. And he's like, yeah, so over in Vienna. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? What do you mean over in Vienna? He's like, well, this is how it kind of started. So Brian, talk to us a little bit about that journey. Why the heck in your mind were you like, I'm going to bring citrus juicing over to the United States in this way? And how did you go about even thinking that? Well, thanks. And when I think about it right now, it's amazing because it's been a decade I've been at it for just over 10 years and I look back and I see pictures of when I started and it's really amazing. Um, I was working in investment banking. I was doing mergers and acquisitions. I was helping companies as a consultant become more profitable. I was doing a lot of other stuff. And uh, there were two grocery stores right near my office in Vienna. And these two grocery stores, each of them had a juice machine. And I found myself going there once, twice, three times a week for a quick lunch. You know, busy working, busy working. And I was going to these places because they had a really nice deli, they had great grab-and-go sandwiches, and they had fresh orange juice, which I made myself, like I said, two, three times a week. Now my parents, I'm living in Vienna, Austria, my parents had moved to Florida years before. And I'm thinking, I have never had fresh orange juice like that in Florida. And I talked to my dad about it, and he's like, oh, years ago, there were places that used to make fresh orange juice. So my father started to go off and look for these machines. And he called me up like a week or two later saying, I found one, I found one, but they weren't juicing. I'm like, why not? And the machine was broken. And he called me up again a week later. I found one, I found one, but it weren't juicing. Why not? And they didn't have fruit. And that went on for like three, four weeks more that he'd call me and tell me that. So I'm scratching my head, I'm doing my research, and I find out that one of the companies that's making juicing equipment that I was using in Austria was two hours up the road in the city called Linz, Austria. So I get in my car and I drive up there. Naturally, I called them first and I met with them. And, uh, you know, six, seven months later, 
I am the exclusive importer of Citrocasa juicers into the United States. And uh, with that, Citrus America was born. And that's how we kicked things off in 2010 and then into 2011. And uh, yeah, it's been truly amazing. And just to, a little bit of a quick sidetrack, but I was really impressed the other day. Um, we're talking to a customer and it turns out that they bought one of our first juicers. And I was looking at the date. They bought the juicer in April 2011. And they've been juicing with that juicer since April 2011. And they bought a few parts here and there over, over a 10 or 11 year period. And they're still juicing with that juicer. That wow. makes me very proud. Well, and I know even without the pandemic in 2020, orange juice is always high on the list. I mean, it's a staple item. I think oranges, to me and my family, has always been a staple item. I talk about that heck when I went over and saw our buddies over at Noble. It's like they're like, you got to try this variety, you got to try this, and I and I'm always down because it's just part of my life, right? And I talk a lot about on the podcast that going all the way back. I mean, Florida citrus is a little bit different, but all the way back in California's history, you know, bringing that citrus seed up from Brazil, having the uh, conquistadors bring this food, uh, this fruit, right, this seed in to develop something that we never thought was going to be, right? All these citrus groves. I'm a huge fan of juice. I've talked a little bit about my background. My dad is still in the, I would say, commercial juicing world, which he's developing and I would say procuring, oh, geez, tankers and tankers every single day. Every single day they're producing tankers, obviously west of the Rockies, right? This is a little bit different, everyone, but is it? Because what you get in the store this branded juice, this 100% Florida orange juice that they talk about. We're not going to get into those details, but I just got done, everybody, juicing Juicy Crunch, some red grapefruit, some blood oranges, some limes, and some pomegranates. And I can tell you, Jay, you saw my face. Was I ready to try the grapefruit or what did I say right before I started? You said, I hate grapefruit. Oh, uh, he you said it. You did not want, you were more, you were ready to down that lime juice way before that grapefruit juice. I did. I, 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 it's, it's so true because, you know, when you think of the grapefruit, when you think of the pomegranate, it's kind of, I mean, it's intimidating. Let's be real. I mean, if someone was to say, take these uh, pomegranates home and juice them, I would say, no, you can just put a nail in my foot. That's fine. <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm not going to juice a pomegranate. I mean, but then the juice, that, that's where we want to get into. I mean, Brian, you, you, you brought this over here. You saw that there was a need for fresh juice consumption, not just huge bottling, huge manufacturing options. You saw that there was a need for a consumer to walk into the grocery store and say, no, I want fresh. Just like we would do at the salad bar. Just like we would do at any other location, right, to get lunch or to get dinner. You go to that location for the experience and to have a developed emotional touch. I talk about that a lot because food is very emotional, everybody. Talk to some of our chefs. If you check out um, the Produce Industry Podcast, we've had uh, Chef Megan on the show. And it's very emotional, everyone. Food, very emotional. So let's talk about what we did. We had three machines. Let, get, don't tell me. Let me remember. We had the Eco. Right. We had the Fantastic MAS. That's correct. And then we had, as I'm going to call it, Mr. 8000. 
You got it. So we had three machines that I just really got to sample today and understand how you can bring fresh juicing to your store, to your packing house. Heck, you could have these in the quality control department. I mean, these are things that I'm now looking at going, wow, let's talk about this. So what do we juice first, Jay? Well, first thing we juiced on the Eco, which is the hand crank juicer, it's really fun, right? Because you're really interactive with the juicer. And that juicer can go anywhere. You don't have to plug it in. You hand crank it. It can be in a food truck. You name it. Restaurant, it goes anywhere. Uh, I agree with you. So I thought it was going to be tough. I mean, when you look at something that has a handle that is the size of a slot machine, yep. I'm thinking I was going to bang, bring that baby in. <laughs> you know, that coins were going to fall out, but liquid gold fell out the bottom. That's right. Perfect for a margarita, right? Oh, my goodness. Now, we're talking the, the limes. You're hundred percent right. And I did down that line, but the first one we tried and we should have saved it to last was that juicy crunch. It looked, I mean, everyone, if you were here, if you saw the orange, I mean, I thought it was orange crush. It looked like orange. It, crush. Looked like it, so <laughs> it was pretty amazing. And, and that is a phenomenal fruit anyways. It is. But, but going through that juicer, it was pretty outstanding. So with the tangerine juice, I've, I've never seen this happen in any stores. I, I go into grocery stores to work with our customers when they buy a juicer. And sometimes we'll do some sampling. And we sample orange juice. And, and obviously what I call the take rate, how many people sample and how many people buy the orange juice. Um, on orange juice, it's you know, 10, 20, 30%. When we were doing tangerine juice, not only was the take rate like 50% or better, I actually saw families get in fights because the kids would taste the tangerine juice and the mom would put like one bottle in and she'd walk away and the kids would go get two or three bottles of the tangerine juice and put it in the cart. And then the mom <laughs> would yell at the kids. So, I mean, this is no joke. When you see this stuff, it is like drinking a liquid lollipop is what I say. It, it's delicious. It's so true because, I mean, I mean, if you look at your regular standard um, big brands that are out there, it's almost like you look at the brand and you pick up the bottle. Am I right? because it's all saturated at the bottom. You give it a little shake or shake, right? And you're like, ah, no, I'm gonna like, let's see what the other guy has to offer. Let's see what the other has to offer. And it's so true because I, I had many times where I've been in South Texas, uh, I've been visiting customers and I've gone into grocery stores. I really do, I, if they've got that, um, the citrus machine and I'm not trying to bring up, or the pineapple cutting machine, I literally go right to it. It, it does, it attracts me because I know fruit, right? just like picking up an avocado or a tomato. It, it is, you You have that sense of going, I wanna try this. I wanna see what the outcome's gonna be. And if that experience is good, you have a loyalist forever. You've got someone that's gonna constantly come back just for one item, and then when you get into the store, it's a top loon effect from there, right? Not only is it a really great fun experience, right, for the consumer, like you're talking about, Patrick, it, you're interactive. You get to be a part of your shopping experience, but it, you also know what you're getting. You know exactly what's in that product because you just watched it juice. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no sugar additives? No sugar. You're not adding water? No. You're not storing it for two to three years sometimes as you can with frozen concentrated orange juice, everyone? That's right, Patrick. No flavor packets in this product. Oh, man. 
Well, I think what you're hitting on is a core element right now. You know, we talk about fake this and fake news and fake that and ingredient lists and all of these things. So I'm not I'm not saying one one way or the other, but this is a matter of trust. So I think that there is a, a crisis of trust out there. And what's really important is that the customers see what they're getting. So it's a matter of trust. People want fresh, people want natural, and people want taste. What they don't want to do is like think, is this label really telling me what I want? So they want to see it. And I think that's what juicing in store does for customers. It does for our grocery stores, for our restaurants. It's like part of your brand. You're branding that you're giving people real food. And that doesn't just hit the juice. It overflows into their other products. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, think about it. As a commodity, we branded juice, right? We're trying to brand the backside of it, which is the oranges now, right? But does it need to be done? If you could see the full transparency of the supply chain, you know what's in your food. Or hence, as my buddy Chip Carter says, you know where your food comes from. That's the biggest thing within our supply chain. Hence why we have all these recall protocols, the FISMAs and everything, because we want to make sure what water is going in there. You know, where, where are you growing this? How are you growing it? What pesticides? And when you get to a manufacturing standpoint, uh, listen, it gets a little dicey because these are large corporations that are pumping out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of loads a day. Heck, if you go down to Winter Haven, if you go down to somewhere those juice plants are and look at their yards, they smell like crap. Why? Because they're juicing oranges that have been sitting there for weeks. There's a different quality aspect to this. There's a different emotional touch to this. You're getting a product that one, ready? You're helping create everyone. So as a consumer, you are now part of the process. You are now part of being the maker, the manufacturer. And it gives you that emotional, it gives you the experience, right? It's the experience, it's the attachment to your own food. It, it's so important. Patrick, you really hit on why I'm here and why I'm with Citrus America. I'm really passionate about this product and what we're creating. I made the choice to come work with Brian and he's doing the right stuff. This is what consumers are asking for right now. They want real, natural products. And that's what I want my name to be behind. I want to be proud of what I'm, what I'm offering the customers. I agree. So I'm going to add on to all of the things we were just talking about. What's really amazing about oranges when you peel them is they're packaged already in an ideal package. Bananas, oranges, some of these types of fruit come in an amazing package. And what could be better than delaying opening the package until you're going to consume it? So by juicing in the store, you're actually delaying a production process until minutes, hours, or you know days before you're going to serve the juice. And it's really a wonderful thing. So that's why, I mean, Jay and I really connect on so many levels. Jay, Jay knows all about produce. He's got years of experience of it. And now we bring in all the equipment aspect of it. And I'm so excited about what we're doing right now. Yeah, I love it. I mean, just being here, being in Oviedo, Florida, getting a chance to use the machines, which we're going to talk about. 
But first, we want to get you plugged into the Produce Industry Podcast and the Produce Industry Show, everyone. Check out our YouTube channel, The Produce Industry Show, to get unboxings, live stream videos, and other cool content on the produce industry, as well as the Produce Industry Podcast app to get all your videos, articles, and audio all in one source, everyone. And I want to thank all of our sponsors who are participating in these functions and being a part of the Produce Industry Show, the Produce Industry Podcast, and the podcast app. So let's get back to it and chat with Citrus America. We are here in Oviedo, Florida, meeting with Citrus America. I've got my buddy Jay and Brian right in front of me, looking eye to eye. This is a fantastic experience being up here, juicing some oranges and some pomegranates. You know, earlier um, I was talking to them, I kept saying pomelos. Remember guys, you're like, we're not we're not juicing pomelos. We're not going to juice volleyballs today, Pat. <laughs> but we are going to test these machines and, and juice some grapefruit. And we did. I mean, I, I can tell you, just going back, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago, as we're sitting here juicing oranges, citrus, tangerines, I didn't think that this is how the week was going to go. I didn't think about trying these new flavorful experiences for my taste buds. I mean, think about it. I mean, when we came today, it was like, we're going to do some demos. This is what we're going to do. I, this was great. The taste, I'm, I'm telling you, I just can't stop thinking about that orange crush, I would say color, that when it went into my mouth, it was just a flavorful explosion. It, it, flavorful. Let me ask you something, Patrick. It's been about 30 minutes. Do you have any heartburn? You know, I have no heartburn. I did burp earlier and I told you guys, but it was a straight non-acid burp. It tasted just like how it went down. And, and I will tell you that that is big with citrus. People expect, there's a lot of people out there that won't drink orange juice because it gives them heartburn. They're not drinking pure orange juice. Listen, coming from the, I would say the juice world, my dad and Brian J, you'll, you'll love this. So my dad used to bring the concentrated orange packs home. I remember. My dad used to keep our freezer as his sample freezer. <laughs> you, get, you, you get where I'm going with this. So yeah. all on the side racks, we had the little tin cans mm -hmm. with the old orange concentrate. And that's what he would do in the mornings. I remember he would dump that plop. You know, you got to scoop it out, right? Yep. Bloop. And I, I'd be afraid to drink it. Because I knew what would happen afterward. I had very bad acid reflux as a kid. My kids have acid reflux to this day. But we all love orange juice. But we all know that there are brands out there that as soon as you drink that, and my wife even said, says it to this day, oh, be careful. Don't drink too much orange juice. Because they know. When we get our sumos, when we get our juicy crunch, those aren't that tangy. So when you actually eat those compared to like a California Naval or Valencia, it's a way different taste profile. Compared to this, this is insane how the profile comes out. Like I, I night and day from eating the piece of fruit to drinking it. Yeah. Well, just to jump in on that whole thing with taste, uh, in, in the heartburn or the acid reflux, a lot of people think that it has to do with the pH level, the acid levels of the juice. And it's really less related by that, and it's related to peel oil. And Peel oil is what's bitter. When you bite into a peel, like an orange peel, if you're gonna to try to peel it, or if, you're, if, you, if you rub it on your lips, it burns a little bit on your lips, that's the peel oil. That tastes bitter on your palate, and that's what gives you heartburn later on. 
So for us, people say, oh, what did you add to the juice to make it so sweet? It's not what we add because we don't add anything. There's no sugar, there's no additives. It's what we don't add. And it's because of this special cutting system that we use in our juicing strategy, the machines, that you have reduced peel oil in the juice, which is why it's sweet and why everyone wants to come back for more juice. And it's almost addictive. Once you start drinking high quality orange juice that's coming from our machines, it's very, very difficult to drink orange juice anywhere else. Wow. Listen, can we relate this to, you know, an alcoholic beverage? Is it like buying Cook's, uh, you know, champagne versus the good stuff? <laughs> but a headache in the morning the next day versus a non-headache? I mean, just, just trying to put it in perspective to some of the listeners, but I think it's it's pretty close, I would say. I think you're spot on there, Patrick. All right, bust out the champagne. We're popping bottles, everybody. Nothing like yeah. a good mimosa. <laughs> There's nothing. I'll tell you what, my buddy Mike Chavez over at Golden Star, if you ever visit California, get over to Golden Star Citrus. You know, that's one thing that Mike prides himself on. He always has a bottle of champagne because he works at an orange packing house. So he could bring caracaras in one day. You could have grapefruit. You could have tangerines. And all of a sudden, it's like, Let, let's treat you right. Let's get you a mimosa the fresh way. Not, you ever notice when you pour a mimosa, we're totally off track at this point. You do a little bit, right? You do a, you almost do a splash because you don't want to compromise your champagne. At this point, I might compromise a little bit more champagne. Mm -hmm. I really would. Having a little bit of juicy crunch in there, maybe some grapefruit. I could compromise a little bit of champagne knowing that the flavor and that profile is going to be there, Brian. I go even one step further. I think that for, for people, when you go out and you're with other people, you're the designated driver or you don't drink it all anyway. Why shouldn't you get fresh orange juice served in a champagne glass? Just because you don't have alcohol, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. So I think whether it's a mimosa or whether it's straight, let's say we just had the blood oranges. Those blood oranges had like real raspberry flavor in them when we drank they the did. juice. I thought it was amazing. So why can't people enjoy straight orange juice like that? Put it in a champagne glass. It's it's worth it. That's You're 100% right, and it's all about presentation, too. I mean, to get a champagne glass with orange juice in it, and some restaurants do that as well. You feel good, even if you're not drinking. And I, and I know going out with a lot of different people, and more and more now in 2021 as we get to get out more, right, is that you get some of those people that are like, oh, I don't drink. It's okay. You're still allowed to have the same, the same. Uh, what's it called? The uh, the glass, the the chalice, or whatever you want to call it. Like it's still okay. You can have the big glass with us, and it, it's an experience, right? No matter what drink you're getting, no matter what fruit, vegetable. Again, we're gonna go back to it. Emotional experience when it comes to food. Absolutely, it's all about the experience. And my whole life, Patrick, I've been in the food service industry. I I went to culinary school worked in restaurants, worked produce for years, worked for broadliners, and it's really about good quality products and the experience that you're getting. That's what the consumers want. That's what makes me so passionate about being here. You know, and that's what it's about. We've got a lot of great companies that are doing great things here in the produce industry, and that's why we're here to showcase them. So, Brian, a couple more things. I know... Before we wrap this up today, we talked about taste. We, we've seen these machines in action, so I know that there's a little bit more to the efficiency, and I know on top of this, I have the question, because I asked it right when I came here. I said, so when these go into grocery stores, hygiene, 
Like, do you wash the machines down? Are they clean? So talk to me a little bit about it because we covered taste. Let's cover a couple other aspects. Great. First of all, there's so many advantages and benefits of the machine and what we do to help our customers implement juicing programs. So taste is the one, is the first one we always start off with. Hygiene is another one. And efficiency is the last one. I'll just I'll lump them together. They're so hard to separate because really what we're talking about is amazing technology, the best materials, and really cool designs. And the list of features is so great that to sit here and list out 30, 40, 50 things takes too long. So we summarize it into taste, hygiene, efficiency. And the hygiene is so important. That's why all of our machines are made out of 304 stainless steel. That's food grade stainless steel. Um, highly polished materials, and, and they're just filled with features to make them fast and easy to take apart and clean. So I told you in the very beginning about how when we were looking for juicers that were working in the United States, my father was out looking for them. Well, the staff didn't even want to use the juicers because they weren't fun, they were hard to clean, they broke down on them, they couldn't find the parts for them. That's a completely different experience profile than what we have in the market. So we want to help our customers be successful with juicing, you have to have a hygienic juicer. It has to be easy to clean, and it has to be fast to take apart, clean, and then put back together. If it's not like that, your employees won't do it. And then the last piece is talking about employees. That, that's, that's like when you're talking in the telecommunications industry, that's like the last mile of cable that brings it to the house. If you don't train your employees, you can't have a good juicing program. And we focus on hygiene and training strategies so that you have successful juicing programs. It's all about safety and efficiency. I love it. You know, and, and I talk uh, about this a lot with my new application. It's fresh, fast, and safe, right? I say fast, but that's really efficiency, which you brought up. Right. And you got to be fresh and you got to be safe. You know, I, I say that 2020 jump-started everybody in looking at things a little bit differently. But it's so funny when people are like, oh, we got to be safe. We got to do this. I'm like, where have you been the last 30 years? <laughs> like, it's always, this is, it's always has to be safe. And I, I actually interviewed a, a food safety, um, let's say, consultant. Uh, a, a, her name was Afreen Malik. She does a lot of work for the PMA. But she talks about, like, she's been so passionate about food safety for 20, 30 years. And I go, isn't it crazy how your position, your job is now being required more. Like it's almost like you went to eh, eh, food safety, eh, right? To now Sorry. it's like, it's a staple item in, in everything today, but it seems here it's always been a staple item. It's always been about being safe, about being efficient, right? It's very important, Patrick. It's very, very important. The last thing anybody wants is anybody getting sick, right? So you, the most important thing, even in the great equipment that we have, get safe fruit. Right. Make sure that you're buying from a good packing house, nice five log reduction facility. It's very, very important. Make sure you know who your partners are. Yeah, very true. And right? that's going to make me jump in. What about this? So I go and I get my Citrus America juice. It's fresh. Everybody, it's fresh. But can there be contaminations of water with Citrus America's juice? No, sir. Oh, there, wait. There can't. no added water. Or any added materials, any added. There's... Nothing you don't have to worry added. about that. Nothing added. You have to worry about that when you're having the manufacturing do you know manufacturing plants do that. You do have to worry about that because you got to worry. Are they using their own groundwater versus are they using city water? Right, Patrick, you're spot on, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. 
people think that if it's not pasteurized, it's not safe. Ooh, very good point there. That is not true. And Brian has actually done a ton of research trying to figure out if there's ever been issues with fresh squeezed juice on premise like this, like our product does. And there isn't. There well, listen, is. it's like Brian said. When you go buy an orange from the store, it's already prepackaged. Unless someone grabs a needle, injects that, right? This is going to be fresh. So the same thing. Why are you going to have a manufacturing facility do it? Now, again, we're okay with that. But we're saying for an added value emotional experience, you're now putting the orange in. You're cranking it or, you know, it's cranking by itself. You're getting the exact item that you just picked up off the grocery store, just like if you were going to eat it. What's the difference, right? That, that's exactly right, Patrick. You know, the experience is so important right now, too, especially with COVID. We are actually getting out of our houses. What do we do? We go to the grocery store. I have to get out of my house. I'm going shopping. At Who would the have thought store. that was a vacation? Who would have thought chores was going to be a vacation that's, today? That's right. And what we're finding is these retail locations are looking for experiences to give to their consumers. I agree. And it's it's a experience like this that brings them back over and over again to their location. Yeah, I agree. So I always, exactly what you're talking about, Jay, I, I, I've called that the halo effect for a long time. Like, I love the idea that you put a fresh juice program into your store. Customers come in because of the fresh juice. And of course, they're not just buying, you know, $5, $10 worth of juice. It's what else are they putting into the grocery cart when they're doing it? So they're going to your store because you have a special product. And it doesn't matter in this case, are we talking about you have an outstanding seafood department? You have some other great takeaway foods. In this case, this is another feature that you bring into your store and you're increasing your brand perception. You're building trust with your consumer because they say, hey, these guys are offering fresh product. And if you do it the right way, you don't just have it in your produce department. You can use the juicers to make pure lemon juice or pure lime juice. You put those into small bottles and you sell those over in your seafood department. So you're now actually, every seafood department you go into that's, that's doing good business has a fresh lemon or a fresh lime, you know, there that they're selling you. Now imagine if you're just selling like eight ounce little bottles of pure lemon juice. And now that's another reason. Now, so now it's not just that somebody's going to your place because you've got a seafood department, but you've got seafood and fresh lemon juice as a marinade, for example. So, so there's a lot of halo, what I call the halo effect that surrounds the product. Yeah, not halo oranges, everybody, the halo effect, okay? <laughs> we'll make sure we're, we're clear on that. But you're right. I mean, uh, listen, being here in you know Tampa, Florida, coming from California, there's no Publix in, in the West Coast, okay? There's not. And here, all my buddies, and even when I lived here as a kid, public subs, right? But the buddy, our buddies would go to get a public sub, and God forbid, if there weren't chicken tender public subs, I, I don't know if I would shop at Publix, you know, because it's like you're saying, I go in there to get a sub, and then I go buy fresh produce, and then I buy a couple sodas, and then I walk out with a $90 ticket. But the goal was to go get some what that intention was, which I'm going to go get fresh orange juice today. And it leads into something completely different, which is that halo effect that you're, that you're talking about, which is that's what you want to do for the grocery store. Your goal is to add value to them to where when they see, oh man, every time juice was sold, we sold these six other items. Is that a correlated effect or was that by chance as a spontaneous purchase, right? 
A lot of times when you buy orange juice, you're complimenting it with something else. Or you think to yourself, oh wait, I need this. As you're sitting there, let the juice, right? In your head, you're now you're, you're going, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. That's how it works. I mean, that's why it is important to get back to the grocery stores, yes, but we also have to figure out how to do that in the right way. Agreed, Patrick. And you know, I don't want to leave out my food service friends, right? We are getting back to restaurants yes. at some point. And th this equipment is perfect for restaurants. It, especially if you have got a diner, uh, orange juice is a no-brainer. But Mexican restaurants, they're doing lots of salsas. They hand squeeze limes. These poor guys, that hands, little the machine, that yeah, little hand crank, those little hand cranks, yep. those poor guys, their their muscles have to be pretty tough. But like you saw with our hand crank unit, it's a lot easier and it goes a lot faster. They can save so much labor by adding equipment like this. In could you imagine place. having that at the bar? I mean, being out at the bar and just someone ordering like a set of mimosa. How many times have you seen bottomless mimosas? They already have it filled up in a jug. They do. Yeah, I mean, think right. about that. Ordering bottomless mimosas and then they're going boom, 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 boom. Cranking that out and you're just like, oh my gosh. You can add $2 to your drinks if you've got our equipment on the bar because people smell it and see it oh. and they want it. Yep. And they know it's fresh. They know it's not coming out of some container. Oh, 100%. 100%. And as I'm here, I'm learning more and more. And it's really interesting because as I perceived this juice market, right, I perceived it to be uh, this fresh way of, of having juices, you know, from the big boys. Right? Let's just say that, from the big boys. Um, what I've realized is what I don't know about orange juice. You know, and there is a cool book out there that I've recently uh, picked up, which is called Squeezed uh, by Alyssa, Ham Alyssa Hamilton. And it's all about this fresh juice world. And we're going to dive deep uh, into that a little bit later and bring that up on the show a little bit later, just not today. But it's been fantastic, Brian, Jay, being here today. We have talked all things Citrus America, all things citrus, right? That's not nice. just oranges. We've talked lemons. We've talked limes. We've talked pomegranates. We've talked grapefruit. We've talked our juicy crunch, right? We even tried to get Darren to go get sumos for me from the store. He did not listen at all, everyone. He bring me back one sumo at all. It's okay. It's all right. I'm okay with that. But he got some good pomegranates. But we got some good pomegranates. Yeah. So listen, gents, I loved having you on the show today. If anybody wants to reach out to Citrus America, get in contact with you, how do they go about doing that? First of all, we're both on LinkedIn, as is Citrus America. So you can go click on LinkedIn, which is how we've all gotten connected over the over the past year. Um, or they can just go to citrusamerica.com to find us. Ask for Jay. Jay. Jay can answer all your questions. Yeah, we're here to help support people. And the website answers a lot of questions as well. So come check us out. We'd love to visit, love to chat. Check out the machinery, Citrus America. You're going to see some more footage. Check out the YouTube channel. More to come from Citrus America. Love to have you guys again. Love being here with you in Oviedo, Florida. And love just talking all things citrus. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. 
Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.